You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula One, which this week are No bull in a china shop next year Who's impressing after the checkered flag in Abu Dhabi? Alonso's happy at Aston, so far Hulk hoping for a smashing 2023 And who's driving where in the feeder series next season? And you're listening to the Fantastic Cut to the Race podcast. Hello, my name is Ron Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Birds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Every Wednesday we update you on everything you need to know from the world of Formula One. We are the Formula Nerds news team. Make sure you keep up to date with all the latest by visiting our website at formulanerds.com. I am James McKenzie and that's it. That's a wrap on F1 2022. But of course, there's still more news to bring you after that checkered flag in Abu Dhabi. And Abby's here to help me take you through it. Abby, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, thanks. Uh, and we also have Sam. Sam, as ever, how are things? They're okay. I'll be honest, I'm still recovering from that Hulk smash pun you made in the intro, but um, I'll be okay. Thank you. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. I'm sure we'll all recover from many puns throughout this show. Uh, but also, we might have some preaching because it is the return of the preacher man, James Phillips. How are you, my friend? I'm very well. Looking forward to doing some uh, potential preaching in a bit as well. Well, yeah, it is you to get us underway, and it's some news from China. Any preaching required, James? Well, it's no bull in a China shop, um, and I'm going to give the and we have to give the credit uh, for that headline to our head of Twitter, Richard, because it is just brilliant. Uh, 
This has not been confirmed, so we can't say it with, with a certain degree of certainty, but BBC Sport are reporting that the Chinese Grand Prix will be cancelled for 2023, but the FIA have yet to confirm this. The reason being simply because China isn't doing a zero COVID uh, strategy, zero COVID policy. And that means that if the F1 was to go to China, you're talking quarantine when you arrive. You're then talking uh, around eight days worth of isolation, including five days at a quarantine center, three days uh, on the other side uh, in, in, in your home, which means that the teams could be stranded in China nine days after the race. And there's a lot you can do in nine days when you're on your own, unfortunately. And uh, if you're isolated, isolated, it's not an awful lot of fun, I find. So Stefano Domenicali is talking to Baku, to the Azerbaijan uh, Grand Prix team, to try and get their slot moved to fill the Chinese Grand Prix uh, vacancy if it does come up, uh, but there's no confirmation that will happen. One thing it will do, though, if it is cancelled, potentially, is it will get rid of a rather, should we say, silly idea idea that F1 had when creating the calendar to take people straight from Japan, straight from China, should I say, over to Miami within, I think it was like a week. So if... That's not a bad thing necessarily if that goes, but obviously the Chinese Grand Prix being cancelled again is not great. But I mean, what are your guys' thoughts on on the situation? As I said, we haven't got it confirmed yet, but we are hoping to have it soon. What do we think? Uh, well, as we know, this is a rumour that has been rumbling on for some time now. But if the BBC are reporting it, then I think you can have some confidence in it because as an institution, they obviously have to act with a certain uh, degree of caution uh, with announcing things, obviously sports news not being uh, critically important uh, compared to some of the stuff that the BBC does. Um, but no, I think it's, uh, I think it's the right call um, given the, the climate uh, at the moment. Um, I think moving back and forward will also be the right call, not replacing it. Again, uh, or adding a 24th race again uh, would be the right call. So it looks like it's heading that way. Um, so yeah, slightly more manageable ca- uh, calendar next year. And yeah, it's it's a shame, but uh, we keep trying to go back to China, but I just can't see that that's going to happen for the foreseeable future. So F1 then have a job to do with regards to their contract. Yeah, I agree. I think if they moved Baku forward, that would be better. I think you can try and replace it, but I feel like... Baku would be the obvious one to then move forward. Otherwise, I think it's like a four-week gap between Australia and Baku if they left Baku where it is, which I believe is the end of April. But it is a shame that it is being cancelled. I'm just surprised that it was on the calendar at all if they knew that COVID could become an issue at all, if they knew that there could be a potential to end up having it cancelled or a risk of isolation with the teams when they're there, which obviously is not very good for them considering the tightness of the schedule so far. I'm just surprised that it was there, but yeah, hopefully we will get confirmation soon. Like you said, Sam, if if BBC are reporting it, there is some truth to it, I think. So hopefully we'll get confirmation soon. I guess the only complication there is whether Baku has obviously made plans for certain weekends, especially with it being a street track. It can cause issues when you you don't have a huge amount of notice. Okay, it's six months, but in the grand scheme of of street tracks and what they have to do to make them happen, it, it could be a bit tricky. But I mean, I was actually going to ask, do you think that F1 made this calendar with the expectation that China would disappear? Uh, I, I'm going to say yes, to be honest. It's not the first time it's happened. Uh, Korea had a very similar decline and eventual disappearing act from the calendar back in, was it 2013, 2014? 
So I think they must have known it was always a possibility, but I would be very surprised if they thought there was any more of a 50% chance the race was going to go ahead. Yeah, there, there are always fail-safes here, right? And especially in the COVID era, there, there has to be all sort of plans that can be made and you have to kind of adapt on the fly to a certain degree. Obviously, China being provisionally put on the calendar is, again, because of that contract that they have in place until, I believe, 2026. Um, but we've seen this before, you know, albeit the inverse, where races have been announced, like the, the New Jersey Grand Prix or the New York Grand Prix that was going to be in New Jersey, which never actually came to fruition. So... This isn't anything new uh, in that sense. Well, moving back to this season, or rather just after this season. Yeah, the lights may have gone out in Abu Dhabi, but the teams didn't go home as they've stayed there for postseason testing. All 10 teams stayed on at the Aston Marina circuit for yesterday's nine-hour test day that saw them field young drivers, new drivers and some old ones to help Pirelli with 2023 tyre testing. It ended up as a Ferrari 1-2-3. Charles Leclerc topping the morning session, Carlos Sainz taking over and bettering that time in the afternoon with young driver Robert Schwartzman next up in third. So maybe the whole next year TM thing could be right after all. Dare we speak too soon? Yeah, I mean, they clearly have pace. They clearly have form. It's just they need to get the strategy and put all those kind of external factors together. Um Carlos Science after the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix actually did say that we have a a no a no blame culture here at Ferrari, which yes is great, but that also can very quickly um, become a no accountability culture. So that is the big problem that Ferrari face going into next year. He also was asked about Matteo Binotto's uh, position and you know whether or not Fred Vasseur might be kind of you know, taking over as team principal. He, he again, obviously, unsurprisingly, didn't get drawn into a comment on that, but he did say that Ferrari uh, kind of, yeah, they're best when there's stability there, when they kind of, you know, have that um, longevity to their their structure. So, yeah, I mean, either way, I think you could see a resurgent or an approved Ferrari and you're going to have to really, because otherwise Leclerc and Science are going to really start to lose their, uh, their patience with this project. Well, I agree. And I think seeing the body language of uh, Charles Leclerc in Abu Dhabi, he didn't look particularly happy or confident and he was sat on his own a few times as well. I mean, I think I read one report that said he's, he's mentally checked out for the season. You know, they, they, they need a better, a better year next year. And we've done a lot of Ferrari uh, critiquing um, on our, on, on our podcast for good reason. Um, I don't see Fred Vassar as the replacement for next, for, for next, for 2023. I don't really see that happening. Don't get me wrong. He's a fantastic team principal, but it takes something very unique to be a Ferrari team principal. And I'm not sure Vasseur brings what they need. Carlos Sainz, uh, he has to say he has to say that at the, at the end of the year. Next year could be our year. He's not going to he's not going to publicly, publicly come out and say we're going to be rubbish again next year and we'll do all our strategy mistakes. Um, that would be, that would, him, yeah. that would be him straight back to the PR um, to the PR school for that. But I do think that Ferrari need an improvement next year. They very nearly lost second place in the constructors championship. Um, Charles almost lost second place in the drivers championship. So hopefully that's a wake up call for the team. Well, yeah, we'll have to wait and see what happens with Ferrari next year. But uh, there were a number of drivers, of course, getting to work with their new teams as well in the postseason test. 
Pierre Gasly made a great start to life at Alpine with P4, whilst Fernando Alonso and Oscar Piastri made their highly anticipated debuts for Aston Martin and McLaren. They ended up 12th and 14th, respectively. Piastri's McLaren debut didn't go entirely to plan as a power unit protection trigger was set off and he had to stop on track, but he did get back out and completed more than two race distances in the MCL 36 in the end. Uh, all hugely valuable for the young Aussies. You, do you expect great things? Do you think, uh, how important do you think this postseason test was for him, Abby? I think because obviously he excelled really well in the feeder series and then he's obviously had a year out as the reserve for Alpine. And now he's been thrown into McLaren, a completely new team, probably a completely new dynamic, completely new car. The, these tests are kind of, just for him to acclimatise to the way that McLaren work and the way that their cars work. We know that obviously Ricardo's had his struggles, but Lando and Science previously when he was racing for McLaren, they've said that the McLaren cars are notoriously difficult to drive. So I think for Piastri, it is just a case of like finding his footing. Yes, he did bring out the red flags, but like you said, James, he managed to get back and he did set some good times. So it is just about him getting a feel for McLaren and then Hopefully in the pre-season testing, we'll see some more improvements and obviously throughout the season, he'll do well. But at the moment, just to him to get a feel for what working for the Papaya team is like. Yeah, at this stage, every mile was critical to his development and building confidence and he just needs to continue on that trajectory. And I'm sure he'll be fine coming into 23. Yeah, agreed. It was good to see uh, Oscar in his McLaren uh, uniform. I think it was a relief for him to finally be in it as well after the the struggles he saw in the season. Um, hopefully, I mean, I mean, I mean, this we don't read into times in, during the end of season test. This was all about McLaren evaluating their new charge, making sure he's happy with everything, seeing how the team operates, etc. So, I think hopefully over the winter, combined with some simulator work and getting to know the team, he can get himself on the positive footing. But a year out is a year out. So it's going to be interesting to see how he operates uh, come uh, the Bahrain Grand Prix next year. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, yeah, we touched on Alonso's Aston debut. Uh, it's still very much a honeymoon period and Fernando said he got a happy surprise with his new car and its outstanding reliability. 
Uh, he said, we had some concerns on the steering feedback because in Alpine in the first year when I joined, we had to work on that a lot for nearly five months on the steering assistance and feedback. So we had some concerns that we spoke about in the last few weeks, uh, but it was a happy surprise that I felt okay with the Aston Martin system and we don't need to change much. So it's all going pretty nicely to plan so far, but I guess the question is, how do you think he'll fit in at Aston based on his attitude, let's say, uh, and his history of, I don't know, burning bridges? I think that's a very polite understatement, James. Um, when it comes to Alonso, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I called Aston Martin a car crash a few months ago uh, on, on this podcast. Um, they have turned it around quite spectacularly. They finished. They, they, they didn't quite beat Alfa Romeo in the constructors' championship, but the reliability improved, the pace improved. So I think there is a lot for for Alonso to be happy about, and I think he probably went into that team with very low expectations ahead of the test. He's found exactly what he needed. There's good reliability there because, of course, he retired from the last race of the season and did not look happy about it, which, of course, he wouldn't be. Uh, you know, I think Alpine's reliability affected mostly his side of the garage. If Alonso can work with the team and he can work to bring the car forward next year, he will be very happy. And more importantly, he'll be cooperative. If, however, things start to go away, I would expect from about the fourth or fifth race, he will start pushing the team in a very heavy manner. And that's when we'll see the full Fernando Alonso force come out and we'll, we may have another GP2 engine moment. Alpine's reliability did affect Alonso more. I think he suffered six DNFs this season, one sprint race DNF and the rest, the actual Grand Prix. But he has said following testing that he's much more optimistic now than when he initially signed for Aston Martin. And when he saw the talent in the engineering room, he said that they were outstanding. So he's really, really happy. I think for him, it will be a learning curve coming into Aston and working with Stroll. But I think he'll settle in quite nicely. He has the experience, he has the talent, he has the knowledge. And I truly believe that Aston have this amazing package that will see them have a resurgence from this year and that they will do well next year. And I think having that motivation and that drive within the team is partly what drew Alonso to them, but is also what will help them with their success. So I think... I think there'll be exciting things to come from Alonso and Aston. Yeah, I think it's quite telling, really, that the first one of the first things you mentioned was the reliability of Aston. Like, clearly, that has played in this year. To be honest, the way that he has um, conducted himself, I think, is actually he hasn't been too bad with regards to the criticism that he's directed towards Alpine. To be honest with you, the, the the reliability hasn't been good enough this year and understandably it's been frustrating for him. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he does operate in a new environment, especially one where you've got someone like Lawrence Stroll at the uh, helm who is, you know, a very strong figure himself. Um, but again, as I've mentioned before, I'm, I'm intrigued to see, and this is, you know, aside from racing, how he slips into Vettel's um, role and if he does take up any of that kind of extracurricular um, stuff that Vettel was obviously very passionate about uh, with regards to human rights, LGBTQ plus rights and the environment and so forth. Um, so yeah, could potentially see a lot of work coming out of the Aston Martin comms department. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're right that he, he certainly had a lot to deal with this year. Uh, I mean, he was, I think he had the joint most retirements and, and it was pretty relentless at times, the, the bad luck he was having. But yeah, I mean, he's he's got big shoes to fill in a way in, in replacing Seb because 
I, I, I said on the the last uh, race review, I mean, Seb was kind of the the father figure of the grid now, and and if anything, Fernando's maybe the the crazy uncle at times, at least how he comes across. So, it'll, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he settles in, and I hope things go well for for all their sakes because. Aston have under-delivered so far on what they, on what people expected from them, having come from the the Force India underdog overachievers to having all this potential and not really delivering on it. But moving on to another driver with his new team at the test, and that was Nico Hülkenberg. He finished 19th in the end uh, with the Haas, but he's looking forward to next year, right, Abby? Yes, he is. So as we all know, Hülkenberg is replacing Schumacher at Haas for 2023. And as James said, he has been in the test this week for Haas. And he is very much looking forward to 2023, looking forward to getting back to racing. He said that towards the summer when he was attending races again, he had that desire to come back and race in F1. And that's when the discussion started. He did admit he needs a couple of runs to get up to speed, to familiarise himself back with F1 and the car, and then work from there. But he has no sympathy for Schumacher. He said, when you race, you're racing to convince the team with your performance. And if you don't deliver, well, then you're out. And that is what happened with Schumacher after he said, I simply just didn't see Latifi in Abu Dhabi, which is some strange justification as to the crash. And I know that Sam is a bit confused about Schumacher's comments there. But yeah, Hülkenberg is so very much looking forward to racing at Haas. And I think it will be interesting to see the dynamic between Hülkenberg and Magnussen. He said that the two broke the ice earlier this year, obviously with the suck my balls comment, the tension between them. Hulk greeted Magnussen with that comment and then they both laughed about it and have moved on. So I think I think there could be a strong partnership with Haas next year on the grid. Oh, you, you went straight for the uh, jugular with the... Uh... <laughs> not my, I, I didn't think you'd actually say the full thing there. Um, yeah, I mean, and yeah, on the Schumacher Latifi incident, you know, I, I did actually message Abby uh, when I saw her piece on it. So I, I really just, I don't understand how he didn't see Latifi. Uh, yeah. He was right, right was in like front of him. Right in front um, of him. So, yeah, I, I mean, yes, it's a night race and yes, there's, you know, changing light and so on and so forth. But yeah, bit of an odd one. Um and not not a great way to to end his racing uh, career in F one for now. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with Hulkenberg on this one. Um, it's elite sport. It's ruthless. Yeah, you, know, you, you can't be anything less than that if you want to survive. So yeah, it's a cart for a business. If you know clearly, if Schumacher had done enough to impress Haas, he would have got the seat for next year. So. Yeah, Hulkenberg is competing for a seat. You know, there's no reason why he would be kind of sympathetic. And we've seen the similar kind of comments from Lando Norris on Daniel Ricciardo and so on and so forth. So this is nothing new. If I if I was to analyse what Schumacher said, of I didn't see him. Of course, only, only Schumacher himself knows the answer to this, but it, it feels a bit like maybe the mouth moved before the brain did. Um, and perhaps that was his way of trying to Perhaps he just wanted he didn't want to admit the error that he'd made that day. And that in itself, I think, shows perhaps that Schumacher has a bit more time needed to grow. He he wants to come back in 2023, in 2024. I'm not sure where he would go. And he does deserve a second chance in Formula One, but I don't know where where he would go away from the spotlights, because of course F1 doesn't really have a away from the spotlight moment. Even the Tifi and the Williams were still heavily 
criticised. Um, well, ironically, it would probably be that seat at Williams that he'd be most likely Sergeant, to yeah. if Sergeant doesn't perform as, as, as expected. So, Yeah, it's, it's, it's stranger things have happened, I suppose. But it, I think Schumacher maybe needs a year out, contemplate on his actions, contemplate on what he's doing, and maybe, maybe it'll make him better. Um, as far as Hulk, and I will call him the Hulk uh, for this, um, he is right to, to comment on what he said about you need to perform or you're out. Um, everyone's, it, 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 it's, it's, it's common knowledge in Formula One. What I will say is I thought it was quite sad um, when Schumacher, did you guys hear the last radio message from Haas when Schumacher was doing donuts? So Schumacher was doing yes, donuts. Yeah, it was brutal. So Schumacher was doing donuts, Savvy. Um, and she, and uh, he was told by the team, we can't do donuts. We just can't. I'm sorry. To which Schumacher came back croakily and said, I love you guys too. It was quite harsh. Um, and then he had a very awkward goodbye with Gunter Steiner in front of the team, which felt like effectively that Steiner had him by the collar and was booting him out the door, metaphorically speaking. And then an hour later, Hulkenbo turned up in his Haas uniform, ready to start. Moving on from Schumacher, who is known for having a, a particularly uh, successful junior career uh, on the road to Formula One, um, is you know the, the, those feeder series in themselves. So we are well and truly into silly season for F2 and F3. Um, and we also have F2 testing over the next three days at Abu Dhabi. So we're going to quickly run through um, some of the confirmed drivers uh, on the grid for next year. So... Bear with me here because there are a few names to get through. Um, as we know, Zach O'Sullivan has joined uh, Dino Beganovic and Paul Aaron uh, at Prema in F3 for next year. Uh, Mary Boyer is stepping up to F3 with MP Motorsport. Uh, Gabriel Mini uh, is joining Hitech. He performed very, very well in Hareth in the F3 postseason test back in September. As well did uh, Gabriel Bortoleso, who is joining Trident. Uh, Trident obviously being one of the front-running teams in F3. Um what we know so far from F2 um, is that Frederick Vestry has obviously is moving over from ART to Prema, and he is joined by Oliver Behrman, who impressed massively with Prema in F3 last year. So they have signed, sealed, delivered their lineup for 2023, as have uh, Campos, who have Ralph Bashong uh, returning, as well as Kush Miney, who is moving up from F3, where he spent the year um, with MP Motorsport. Other movements that we know of that have been confirmed are Dennis Halgar is moving from Prima over to MP Motorsport. Arthur Leclerc is moving to Dams from Prima in F3. Uh, so he'll be, I, we assume, slotting alongside Aomu Iwasa, uh, who, as we all know, won the feature race at the last race of the season. So pretty strong lineup there. Um, we can expect from Dams next season uh, if Iwasa is indeed confirmed. And lastly, Clement Novelak is returning to Trident, where he finished uh, third in the F3 Championship in 2021. As we know, he spent 2022 with MP Motorsport, where he partnered Felipe Dragovic, the champion, taking this team to their first team's title. I think I'm most excited to see what Oli Behrman can do next year, personally, um, at Bremer. It will be, I mean, it's, it's so hard to predict how things are going to go in, in F2. Who would have expected... MP and Drogovic respectively to dominate I don't think MP had finished higher than 8th in a, in a team's championship before this year so you never really know but I think it 
Behrman has a lot of potential when he's going into a pretty solid team there. And it'll be interesting to see how uh, Helga does as well with MP, because obviously everyone expected such great things from him and it's not quite happened in his first year. So that's what I'm most looking forward to next year anyway, personally. I, I mean, I second it. Um, Ollie Behrman's escape trajectory in F3 last year was massive. So I'm really excited to see what he's going to do in F2 next season. I, I, I predict I predict good things for him next year. Whether he wins the championship, I don't think he will. But I think he'll get the odd race victory, and he'll be he'll finish in the top six. I could I could eat my own words at the end of next year. Who knows? But that's why I'm thinking. Well, the I feel like with the feeder series, there's always so much to look forward to, and with Novelak moving to Trident, like you said, Sam, he did very well with that team in Formula Three in 2021. So hopefully, he'll have a stronger F2 season next year than he did this year. With Vesti moving to Prima, he won the Freca Championship with them back in 2019, I think it was. And he is he's won races this year. He's done very well in F2. So I think having Vesti and Behrman with Prema for 2023, that is a very strong lineup. With Formula 3, Zach O'Sullivan moving to Prema with Aaron and Boganovic. I think having those three, that will be very interesting. Obviously, O'Sullivan has more experience in F3, having competed this year. But Aaron and Beganovic are part of the Prima family already. So it'll be interesting to see that dynamic. And with the testing, there are so many names on there moving from F3 to testing with F2 and lots of different partnerships as well. It, I'm certainly excited to see how some perform like Zane Maloney and then Crawford and Hajar because they had an excellent F3 season. And also with Van Amersfoort. Interesting because Juan Manuel Correa raced for them back in F2, his first time racing in F2 since the accident in Spa a couple of years ago. So it'll be interesting to see whether he will permanently move up to F2 for 2023 or whether it will be Villa Gomez as he is testing. But certainly a lot to unpack from the feeder series. Yeah, completely. Abby, like, I mean, you, you've, yeah, you've touched upon it there. There's, there's so much that's always going on in the feeder series and there's so many variables. So you've got some drivers and some teams that you can put an educated guess on them being in the fight next season. So Frederick Vesti will, will be wanting to mount a championship fight as will obviously Teo Porcher. Really, he needs to, to to win the championship this next season. Um, but again, Jack Doohan was very, very strong this year. Very unlucky. He'll be in and amongst it. Dennis Halgar will be expecting as well. But also you've got drivers that develop at different rates. Some need a, a first season where they bed in and then they kind of push on. So a Clement Novelak, you could see some big improvements from the next season. But then someone like Arthur Leclerc, who is, it was, you know, older for an F3 driver or Victor Martins, will they adapt to the F2 machinery slightly quicker than some of their other rookies that, you know, making the step up. So you just never really know who's going to adapt. Uh, and when Felipe Dragovic, for example, um, had one season in, in F3, you know, a fairly decent season, but then stepped up into F2 um, and was immediately kind of winning races that first season with MP. Obviously his second season was less successful, but then in his third year, he's, he's walked the championship by over a hundred points. So, it, 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 you can't really kind of tell until until the start of the season. Well, only time will tell what the future holds for F1 and F2, but uh, over the break, we'll also be looking to the past. James, do you want to tell us about that? Yep. So 
an exciting new project we've got coming up called Nerdy V10s. Uh, we're going to be discussing anything and everything to do with the V10 era in Formula One, uh, maybe a bit before that as well. We've already, we've already had our first show recorded uh, with the amazing Maurice Hamilton, the former Five Live commentator and F1 journalist, uh, which was really good fun to record. We've got a few other guests coming up as well. Uh, we've got a panel show. So we're going to be doing uh, looking at what classic races are the best. We're going to be asking uh, our listeners what they think the best races are as well. And we'll do a poll and we'll find out what they think is the all-time best classic F1 race. So if you like the sound of the V10 engine, let's face it, who doesn't? Uh, please do have a listen and uh, tell us what you, what you all think. Well, yeah, I'm looking forward to that personally. I'm sure you all are too. But for now, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. Be sure to head over to FormulaNerds.com and all the socials of Formula Nerds to find out the latest on these and any other stories, as well as anything else a most sport nerd could want. Then go and check out the Cut to the Race podcast, where last weekend we reviewed the final race of the year, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. And whilst it's the end of the season, we'll have some great stuff coming up for you all soon, like the Nerdy V10s, as James has just said. Sam, Abby, James, thanks for joining me. And by the way, just to prepare you, James, the old finishing rhyme is gone, so you've got a couple of seconds to think of something to say. Thanks for having us. Adios, amigos. Au revoir. All right, we'll go with multilingual. That'll do for now. But yeah, it's... <laughs> I, bet, I, bet the, I bet you wish the rhyme was back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I missed the rhyme. I'm so sorry. I won't do that again. I mean, we've done worse. But until we do come back and do worse again it's lights out mics off and away we go until next week you're listening to the cut to the race podcast it's lights out and away we go sports social podcast network